This past week, the Boston Bruins played the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes were back in their Hartford Whalers uniforms, which I personally love. I know that there's people out there that are a little offended that the Carolina Hurricanes are trying to wear Whalers uniforms. But Jack Edwards had a pretty aggressive goal call on the winning goal from the Bruins. Here it is. DeBrusque spins in middle. Crazy scores! The Bruins come from two down. Fend off Carolina and strip the whale of its blubber. Burn him! So I guess the idea there is that he wasn't thrilled that the uh, Hurricanes were wearing the Whalers uniforms. It was a little bit of a, a bold move, I thought, for them to wear those uniforms so close to home, so to speak, because Boston is the closest market to Hartford, right? So Hartford fans are still, you know, obviously little, dealing little with... Beefed. Right. And and you have to imagine there's a lot of, like, Hartford people in Boston. And I believe and, they weren't they the New England Whalers or the Boston Whalers when they first started the WHA? Might have been. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's kind of a, an aggressive call. Well, he, he got really mad. There, I forget the player from... Hartford that had his number retired and there's a player wearing that number now the Carolina so he got really mad the last time the two teams played and we all know that he's he's not the most uh neutral neutral play-by-play yeah. -play guy out there so it's right. not surprising to hear him yeah but do you think he's like pandering to fans well, yeah. Yeah. of course he is or do you think he really believes that both I think he's a guy that like over the years he's learned that and, and actually I've kind of believed for a while that local TV analysts and color guys and play-by-play -play guys why don't they just be homers like yeah. you know who cares like all the people watching those broadcasts are home home fans anyway yep. but the thing is like home fans will knock guys for being homers because like oh we want you to sound neutral but why do you want your guys to sound neutral I like, think there's I think there's a line that you can cross like being too much of a homer yeah. I think some fans want to hear a somewhat somewhat unbiased call well where does he fall way over on the bias <laughs> on the yeah. bias side he's gone he's way too far there's a funny <laughs> it's not just that call it's it's all the time Sound of Hockey episode 27. It's the Jeremy Aronic episode. And we have a fun little game for you to play this week. We had the Seahack conference. The Seahawks? No, Seahack. Oh, Seahack. Seattle Hockey <laughs> Analytics Conference. Okay. Uh, and at the end of each day, we had this little social thing. And so tonight we're recording on Sunday night. A big group of us went to the Angry Beaver. And one of the three of us has had quite a few beers. So, so this is an interactive episode. Yeah. So you as a listener have to decide which of the three of us has had the most beers tonight. We are not going to tell you. Correct. And you can let us know in your five-star review. By the way, we have a couple of new five-star reviews that I'd like to share with you. But before you read that, I want to say I think it's going to be obvious which one of us has had a couple beers by the end of this episode. You. <laughs> <laughs> Our first five-star review comes from friend of the pod, Husky Chemist. Lol. Right, Husky Chemist. And you know who else is in the studio right now? Flurry. Speak. Flurry. No, Flurry's not that. No. Okay. All right. So Husky Chemist says, great <laughs> hockey podcast with a Seattle focus. This is a great podcast that covers all of hockey with some emphasis on the Seattle area and the future NHL team. The three voices are all knowledgeable and willing to interact with their audience through Twitter, which makes it more interesting. Couldn't agree more. They also have interviews with a wide variety of hockey personalities and some great features each week. Worth a listen if you love hockey, but especially if you can't wait to cheer on the Seattle Kraken slash Crap Weasels slash Evergreen slash insert team name here. So there you go. Husky chemist coming through. I, I think he was the one that was like, I, I would love to review you, but I literally don't know how to because I live in, I, I don't remember what country. Indonesia or something Yeah, like somewhere overseas that he like literally couldn't do it. So thanks for figuring out a way. We really appreciate it. The other one comes from J.D. 
Guillo, Guillot, Guillot. Yep. Yes. Sure. One of those. He or she mm-hmm. says, Super Hockey Pod. Just a great podcast. Fun. Super well produced. Thank you for whoa, that. Whoa, yep, whoa. Hello. <laughs> and always a must listen. Even better, it's leading the charge for informing and building the media voice for hockey in Seattle. These guys are great, even though they're in the bag for the Kent Thunder Buckets. Oh. Parentheses. Fire. Why are you guys looking at me? Parentheses. Hashtag go tips. Proud to be part of the growing flush of crap weasels. I kind of like flush. Flush of crap weasels. What do you think about that? I don't mind that. All right. Flurry has left the yep. building. Flurry is no longer with us. I mean, still alive. Still alive. Not in the room. Physically not yes. here right now. And thank you very much. <laughs> too too far. Yeah. Thank yeah, you very much to Husky Chemist and JD Guillot Guillot for those. We are uh, not going to work here anymore. We are not going to work here anymore. That's for <laughs> sure. For those great reviews. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, send in your five-star review. Let us know which one of us you think is the drunkest. <laughs> <laughs> And it is just one of us. Yes. So we actually have a really big show today. As we mentioned, we had the Hack conference this weekend. During that conference, John and I were fortunate enough to meet with Allison Lucan, who you might know. She's she's a really well-known writer for the Columbus Blue Jackets. She works for The Athletic. Uh, she does some awesome stuff that's more analytically driven. And she's like the total package of everything you would want from a sports writer. Like, So it's a really super fun interview that we performed from like the bowels of this weird, I guess, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a lecture hall kind of a mm-hmm. thing and we were in this creepy little storage room with her and uh <laughs> no, it's true though. That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was <laughs> but uh but she was really great. So stick around for that interview. You're gonna enjoy it. Getting into things here, uh, let's first take a look back at the Seahawk conference. Many of you are probably wondering what it was. So, John, do you want to at least explain to our listeners what the Seahawk conference was? So, Seahawk, we've you know we've had Emily Joe on the pod before describing it. We've talked about it probably last week, but Seahawk, uh, like its acronym is Seattle Hockey Analytics Conference, is a kind of a grassroots movement um, put on by the community for the community about hockey analytics. The people that are really digging into the numbers of the game itself and the events that happen. Broadly, people have probably heard terms like Corsi and Fenwick, and that's kind of where it started. I mean, I wouldn't say that's where it started, but those are some of the early origins of like really starting to look at hockey differently than just your your normal stat line that you'll see on NHL.com or in a box score. And it's a large, pretty in-depth community out there that connects online and and does these things. Hockey-graphs.com uh, were a big contributor in VanHack, and they, they've done VanHack, which is Vancouver Hockey Linux Conference, for two or three years prior to this one. And it's just a way to get get people together and talk hockey analytics, a sport we love, and looking at a way we love to do it. And that's our the data nerds coming through to do that, and we all self-identify as a data nerd, and some of these are can be deeper than others. But and then we also had some cool other kind of talks about somebody who r- essentially helped put together a case for arbitration for a club when a player is going to arbitration. Yeah, and then we had some other scenarios where the differences between playing in Europe and playing in the U.S. I thought that or North America that was kind of interesting. But then there was a lot of what you'd expect from analytics. We talked a little bit about pulling the goaltenders when Mm -hmm. we didn't really answer when is the right time, but we talked about how there is obviously a movement to to pull them earlier and which teams are pulling them earlier. 
in the game versus later. Oh, that doesn't make sense. But, <laughs> and I'm not drunk. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> can, or see, are you? That's just it. Like you can tell people you're not drunk, but the point is for that's them to decide. That's just what a drunk person would do. Yeah, say they have to drunk. decide for themselves. So. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, <laughs> it was phenomenal to see this thing come together. And it's, it's just another one of those moments where I'm like – I step back and I can't believe what's somewhat created here. And big props to Emily Jo Michelle. Yep. She did. Friend of a pod. Friend of a pod. Friend of a lot of hockey people in Seattle. But um, she did a lot of the heavy lifting. The presenters were outstanding and like almost a who's who in the hockey community. People came from Tampa Bay, Halifax. They came from Montreal. They came up and down uh, the West Coast. It was Unreal. And I and what was really cool is one of the presenters uh, attended Sloan last week, the MIT Sloan conference, which I did as well. And he said he got more out of this conference than he did out of Sloan. Nice. And mm. and Sloan costs 10 times as much, so way more polished. Yeah, take that, MIT <laughs> Sloan Sports and Analytics Conference. It, it's a totally different conference, but it, it talks to that, like it can be very valuable to the right people. And I got tons and tons of positive feedback on the people that were were visiting from out of town and even locals that were like eyes were opening to some of the work being done in this space like essentially a lot of it for free but it was it was again just super impressive and then you know one thing uh, we should probably talk about maybe in a little more depth and maybe do it with follow-up posts on it but is we did the Seattle hockey teams uh, expansion draft simulation where we essentially got a bunch of people to act as GMs and then they they decided which players they would they would protect on their teams that would be coming up in the expansion draft then we had as a group exercise we had people get together in little groups and submit their teams and determine who they're going to draft from each team just like uh, you know Seattle will have to do in a couple years Things are going to change dramatically, but it was so much fun to see people kind of starting to get into it and kind of like evaluating. And they they would research data and like pull decide who they wanted or whatever. And it was it was a really cool thing. And we're going to do a follow up post. So we basically just drafted our team and and we're going to submit it to the league on Monday. Yeah. So we kind of got randomly paired up to do that exercise. And I I am it, which I was I felt like I was just way over my head at this thing. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. I mean, just being surrounded by like the just some of the smartest hockey people smart on the people, like yeah. way, way smarter than any mm. of us. No <clears> offense <throat> to you if you guys. No, you I, I felt the same yeah. thing. Like, for example, there's a gentleman there named Micah who had these like really in-depth mathematical equations. And he's a mathematician. People there were all referring to him as a genius. And, like, I could see that. Like, mm-hmm. he's probably a genius level. Like, <laughs> and some of the equations that he was putting up on the board, I'm like, I literally don't know what any symbol in that equation <laughs> means, right? I was right there with you. I was yeah. like, um, okay. Yeah. And he got to the end of this thing and, like, the whole point was – this guy is the best goalie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, like that's the kind of work that people are doing out there where you're like, they're doing all this really advanced mathematics to be able to just essentially evaluate something, you know, and to tell us like, hey, save percentage is something that you probably shouldn't use because every shot is not the same, right? Like a shot that's five feet away versus a shot that comes from the red line, they equal the same in current statistics. And that's not right. Like those aren't the same shot. 
So it's a really good point, you know, and at the end of the day, he's able to put all this together into a model and say, this guy's the best goalie, this guy's the worst goalie in the league. But like yeah. getting there, you're like, wow, I don't understand his approach here. But there were people in the room that totally understood it. I mean, well, it was fascinating I, to the see. The nice thing is he put, and I wrote down his website because I want to go look at it later. Yeah. He, he, he'll do all that hard work for you and mm-hmm. then, then you can go and say yeah. so and so. hockeyviz.com yeah. is his website. And it's uh, ineffective math yeah. on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I loved his quote about the impossible angle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, we only say, we only talk about the impossible angle when the puck actually goes in the net. That's when we talk <laughs> talk about the impossible, impossible angle. angle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Fascinating stuff. Really smart room of people. You know, if it happens again in the area, get out and see yeah, it because it was it. it was pretty cool. Um, there were what 150 people, I think. In like yeah, 150 plus. It was it was cool, and yeah. and it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, I know when I was in Van Hack last year, it was like some of them were just too in depth for me, but that it's okay. Eventually, just but like still, even some of those were. I thought that were that way too, but you still pick out bits and pieces. From oh yeah, even those yeah, ones yeah. that are in depth, uh, you still gain some stuff. Yeah, and you just kind of change your baseline. Like yep. you get a little further down the understanding <clears throat> and then you, you understand what's out there or what, mm-hmm. where to go next. So exactly. it was pretty, pretty awesome. All right. We have some Seattle hockey news and I don't know if we really call this Seattle hockey news because if you listen to our podcast, when we talked to Nick Katsunika, he argued that the first GM for the Seattle franchise, the crap weasels as we call them, <laughs> will be Kelly McCrimmon, who's currently with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, nothing has been announced at all. The reason that this has come back up, because Pierre Lebrun put out a story that he thinks Kelly McCrimmon is, of course, the front runner. This isn't like news necessarily, but now it feels like it's news because a big time reporter is mentioned. Yeah, his name has been out there kind of floating around. His name's also been attached to Edmonton, but I don't know that the more you read about that lately it sounds like that's not they may just stay with keith gretzky really that's that's what i've been i have not heard anything but i haven't read anything either so (laughs) it's all it's all it's all still just speculation yeah mccrimmon's obviously the one of the top candidates i i think it's it's a no news news kind of thing i i don't know why people like react to it because it's something that i think we've been talking about for months and uh i I think people are starved for like a news of who the gym's going to be so there's always going to be a reaction so why don't they just all listen to our podcast they should do that and why does pierre lebron mention it then Right. Like, well, maybe are we starved or are they starved? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I had a nice meal with Lager Bieber. I'm not starved. All right. And Andy <laughs> just threw his his name in the hat of drunkest <laughs> on the podcast. Hello. I admit to nothing. Okay. I, the, the, the listeners have to decide. And Andy, by the way, we had some news about your favorite prospect for the Vancouver Canucks. Quinn Hughes, who uh, was here in Everett for the USA World Junior Camp, a Michigan defenseman. Uh, the seventh pick overall for Vancouver last year. He signed. Michigan season ended this week, and uh, he signed his contract and should play out the rest of the year with the Canucks, who are who have sunk like a rock in the bottom of the Western Conference standing, so they're no longer really in a playoff spot or a playoff uh, race. But it'll be fun to watch Quinn Hughes, and uh, he, he's a pretty uh, high-flying defenseman. His brother, obviously, Jack Hughes, will be the number one pick in the draft coming up, which will be in Vancouver, ironically. But the interesting thing, the Seattle aspect of this, is not only will he be a crap weasel rival soon, but if he plays 10 games, I believe then he would have to be protected by Vancouver come expansion time. Is that right, John? It is true. But and how they ma- have more than 10 games left. How many season. do they have? They played 69 as of today. Nice. 13. <laughs> I swear I drank two Diet Cokes. <laughs> so another guy to keep an eye on in, around this topic <clears throat> is Philip Zadina for Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. He was called up recently. He's been playing oh, a couple that's games. A good one, yeah. But if I'm a GM, what are those extra four games going to get you? Well, it's extremely stupid for a GM to... But- 
having, him. Having just gone through the exercise, and I'm the one who did the Vancouver one for you, or I helped you with that part of it, they have a lot of, they have a mix of younger players and older players. So Quinn Hughes, I think, automatically will get protected. But there's really oh, not. You're absolutely right. But, but now that really, means somebody else needs to be exposed. But there's really nobody that. Not would. right now, but two years from now, who knows? Yeah, right. I don't, I I don't mean, know if they have any other high end defensive. It, the the point is, what does that four extra games get you? That, well, there there are no pressure games now because they're kind of out of the playoffs. So you can play him, and if he makes mistakes, part of it. There's no consequence. I get yeah. it, but like you're you're literally like you were putting yourself in a vulnerable position that you don't need to be. So here's the thing I've heard. And I don't know if this has anything to do with Quinn Hughes's current situation, but a thing I've heard about when they're trying to sign these high-end picks, their season ends, they're trying to get them to come right away. Ah, I know where. I think there are occasionally situations where they'll say, "Hey, if you come now, you're going to get enough games that you're going to burn a year of your entry-level contract," which actually is bad for the team. They want them on their entry-level contract as as long as possible, but it's a good like carrot for the guy to say, "Hey, come sign with us. Don't go back to whatever it is," because theoretically. Quinn Hughes, I think, could have played another year in college, right? He's young enough to do oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or he could have just waited to the summer, right? right? Or whatever leverage is, is got going but on. But I, I also wonder, I mean, we're so in tune with the expansion draft. I wonder how many teams are worried about that today and this year. And, yeah, they, they may, they're may they going to have to protect him and expose somebody else. But that's also three years from now or two and a half years away. And things are going to change. Who knows what the Canucks roster will look like then? Guys that you might lose now, like a Troy Stetcher or somebody, they may not be worried about because maybe he's traded by then or he's not even on the team anymore so i don't know that i think they're right now my if my guess is that that they are more worried about his development than they would be about exposing somebody else because he's on the team now i think darren brings up a really good point about mm-hmm. like you basically go to free agency sooner right for the player and that's incentive to sign well, you get earlier. your second contract sooner too so you exactly. that's what i mean yeah, yeah. but the rfa they're exactly right. the players right. want to get off their entry-level contract yeah. as soon as possible they're all slotted they don't really the teams in theory want to keep them on right that right. contract for right as long but as it, they also want to make sure they sign these guys so maybe that's Correct. why they do it so the zadina case is interesting though too because we talked about him very early on in this, in this podcast about how he got sent down yeah early yeah. expecting that he'd get called up right away yeah. and then that didn't happen no. they left him in the ahl yeah. to so, marinate so, so in a way like they're not incentivized to like bring him up for the whole 10 games <laughs> <Made Andy giggle. laughs> he's giggling. like five jokes came to mind at the same time and then i couldn't i couldn't separate them all out so nothing happened except just me giggling you guys done yeah, yeah. i'm good the word marinate just got me i don't know why <laughs> Maybe I'm just saying that to throw off our listeners on who had beers. Are you done? So here's another question for you regarding Quinn Hughes, because the the most recent game he played, there was the Michigan was playing against Minnesota, like a play in game for the Big Ten tournament. Essentially, they played like a three game series. Michigan lost both games, so it's over. But the the first night, apparently he blocked a shot off of his foot. He still played the following night, but it sounds like he wasn't like at full strength. You know where I read that? Twitter. Well, yeah, but from whom? Uh, a Vancouver writer? No. Ugh. Friend of the podcast, oh, Chris Peters. Uh, oh, Chris Peters, yeah. okay. Anyway, uh, yes. he, he had been following it very closely, and it sounds like he was actually hampered the second night, but he still played. Now, obviously, like this is playoff hockey for these kids in you know in Michigan, so there's probably some pressure to play. Do you think that they bring him into the NHL to make his debut when he's not full strength? Yeah, they're probably going to want him to be healthy. Uh, I think Vancouver's off for a couple of days, so depending on how that happens. Severity of it. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, obviously they're not going to rush him back. There's no reason to uh, for, you know, not only because they're not really in a playoff race, but also as John said, you know, if 
there's a good reason not to play him, you know, but they don't play again until Wednesday, so they've got a couple of days now before he they would have to play. You know, they, the same thing happened with Brock Besser when he finished the season in North Dakota. They were eliminated on like a like on a Saturday night. He was in Minnesota Sunday, signed and played against the Wild. I think yeah, he scored, scored a goal. Yeah, I remember that one for in his home in his home unfortunate yeah. reasons. Uh, <laughs> in, interesting though, right? Hughes watch was like the thing, right? Like, oh, they lost, yep. so now it's time for hashtag Hughes watch. He immediately signed. Now I think Hughes watches. When does he actually debut? So yeah, that's true. We'll see. Yeah. We shall see. Should be fun. I, I'm excited to watch. I love seeing play. kids yeah. make their, especially it, these high level prospects. And like, he was fun to watch in that that Everett training camp for Team USA. A lot of speed, can handle the puck. The power play drills, I really like watching because he was uh, the, the quintessential quarterback back there. So he's silky smooth. Oh yeah. So I'm going to go on a li- out on a limb and say that he will play on some Vancouver power plays here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Kind of a sad note. We lost an NHL legend earlier this week, Andy. I know you had some thoughts on this one. Yeah, Ted Lindsay. For those aren't aren't aware if you're a newer hockey fan or you weren't born in the 50s like I wasn't. But Ted Lindsay played for the Detroit Red Wings for a long time. He was part of the production line with Detroit there. He played alongside Gordie Howe. Uh, He won four Stanley Cups. He scored over 800 points in the NHL. A Hall of Famer, obviously. Um, but he has some things that are kind of lasting here. He he was uh, instrumental in forming the Players Union, which is still in existence today. He uh, got together with a bunch of guys and didn't like the way that they're how little they were being paid and fought for pensions and things like that. That was the original battle was to get more pensions and you know some after after career medical care. And so we have the NHLPA today. Thanks a lot to Ted Lindsay. And also, his he comes from a hockey family. His dad was a goalie and the first goaltender to ever record a win in the NHL. Ah. And his dad invented the collapsible net. So the more you know. Yeah. more you know. And then Ted Lindsay, Ted Lindsay also was the first NHL player to skate around with the Stanley Cup, which is now also the tradition. That's pretty epic. Yeah. That's pretty, and he started that. Yeah, what a what a legend! And you can th- you can imagine he took some heat for that player thing thing from the Detroit. They ended up trading him because of that. Like they didn't, they were not happy that he did it. And, and it was all secretive. Like wasn't he? I heard a story. I think that he was like meeting with players like before and mm-hmm. after games yep. on other teams. Yeah. Right? Like he'd like go and sneak over and talk to guys in the locker rooms. And, yep, yeah. about about all that stuff. And so he got yeah. them all organized. And so you know that that obviously he was not he was never blacklisted or anything like that. He and he ended up he ended up playing again, but uh, he got shipped out of Detroit and. Uh, he, he was a gritty player too. I mean, he looking at his stats here, he was always over 100 minutes in penalty minutes, and you know that you don't see that as much today as your your high skill guys are also you know getting into scraps. Yes, I said gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I let it slide. I didn't do it. He couldn't do it. <laughs> Not Darren. I like that we're making it hard for our oh, listeners yeah, to decide so which one of us had beers, but we swear it was just one of us. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty easy. This is going to be this is going to be the hardest edit I've ever had. Anyway, it's the loss of a of a total legend. So if you're if you're wondering why you're seeing you know in the in the corner of all the NHL arenas right now, they have kind of an homage to him on the boards. That's what it is. So well earned. Yeah, you'll hear his name again at the NHL awards at the end of the year in Vegas because uh, the Ted Lindsay Award uh, is given out every year and it's given to the most outstanding player in the regular season. And it's it's it's, a, it's one of the awards that's voted by the players and not the media. So there you go. Okay, we are joined now. Right, we're in the depths of, what, what do we call this place? Kane Hall. Hall. This is like a weird, creepy storage room thing. Uh, I'm surprised that she agreed to do this in this very strange room that we're in. But uh, we're joined by Allison Lucan, who is a writer for The Athletic. I guess it's The Athletic Cleveland, but she covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, she also has her own podcast called Front and Nationwide. So give that a download and uh, make sure that you subscribe and listen to that one after you listen to ours every week, of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome to Sound of Hockey, and, and thanks for doing this, Allison. Oh, my pleasure. I was thrilled when you guys asked me. Absolutely. So we are here at Sea at Sea Hack. I almost said Sea Tac, which is our airport. Sea <laughs> Hack, the Seattle Hockey Analytics Conference. Uh, so you are uh, a presenter here. You mentioned during the speech that in your past life you spent, um, I guess, it was what twenty years doing something totally different. So <laughs> what what made you finally make the jump to sports writing full time? And I guess what did that transition look like for you? Yeah, it's it's a crazy story, and I'm lucky to have a very supportive spouse. Um, but I'd been doing uh, business and strategic planning consulting all my life. I was good at it, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. And as when I was living in D.C. for quite some time, followed the caps there. And then when we moved back to Columbus, the jackets were there. We were going quite a bit. And um, what was funny is I didn't want to get into the narrative so much of hockey, but I got really fired up because I looked at the shot count on the screen and I said, well, they're not counting all the shots that the goalie doesn't touch. Uh-huh. And that's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of started my journey into why and, and this is a great game and there's an art to it, but how can we quantify it? So mm-hmm. I started digging around there, started just writing random thoughts and found I really loved it and was fortunate to get an opportunity with Fox Sports Ohio. Wrote part-time there, wrote part-time at the team site for a little bit as well, and eventually uh, saved up enough money that I was able to make the leap and and give this a shot going full-time. And again, I'm just so fortunate because it is my passion. It is what I love. And um, now I sometimes bring some of that old life into this life as well. I think it it helps, right? And so were you essentially doing your old job while you're at sports or writing on the side? Correct. That's a lot of work. Oh, it was it's interesting. Was, yeah. I, I know somebody who does something similar. Yeah, it's to almost that. like people are, yeah, do it as a hobby yeah, on the side. Uh, yeah, but it was you know managing when I got credential that changed the game too because right. it was managing lunch breaks so that I could run down to practice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, taking trade calls on a plane, breaking <laughs> FAA regulations. Like it was just nuts. But um, it's crazy to realize how much I was putting into a day um, compared to the luxury of being able to focus on it now, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you presented yesterday and your speech was awesome. What I thought was really great about it. And I guess the whole point of the the speech was to kind of use data to tell to tell your story and to help and to make it something that the, the general audience can connect with, which at this conference where there's very analytical people you know, a lot of the the approach is is so analytical that yes. for somebody like myself, who's not a huge analytics guy, like some of it's over my head, like no question about it. My first question for you is, can you give kind of a, a general synopsis of your talk? How, how do you tell your story and use analytics in your stories? Yeah. So, you know, I shared a little bit of how I got interested in analytics, looking at things bigger than just shots on goal. And so, you know, I, my purpose in my writing is to educate because I think there are a lot of cool ways to understand the game. And again, it's there's a science to the game, but there's also an art to the game. So what I like to do is introduce people to these ways to quantify what they're seeing to say, like, we all have been to games where you say, my gosh, they couldn't get a single shot. But mm-hmm. then you look, and they did, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, recency yeah, yeah. bias. It's what we do as right. spectators. Yeah. Um, so it's helping people find ways to ground their opinions and their perceptions. But just like you said, like if I just gave a big explanation of a number or a new concept, unless you're passionate about that to begin with, it doesn't really resonate. Mm-hmm. So you wrap that data in a story um, related to the concept. You Instead of saying, this is how you can measure a forecheck, you understand the data and then talk to teams if you can, or just listen to coaches' comments when they put them online or what have you. Listen to what people are saying and then wrap your data in a story of what you see or hear from people who are with the club. Yeah. Um, so by the way, in your speech, you gave a little anecdote about one of the players on the Blue Jackets talking about 
like how they play in front of their two different goalies. Yeah. I wonder if you can share that for our listeners as well. Sure. So one of the points I, I think is very key is that if you write with data, oftentimes you're really passionate about the data mm-hmm. and you have a point you want to get across. You think you know what the data says. Sometimes it's not <laughs> what right. you thought. And so you go in understanding the data, but not letting it derive your conclusion, if you will. And the example was there's been kind of some inconsistency in the Jackets goaltending play this year. So I talked to one of the players. I said, well, do you play differently in front of your backup versus Sergei Bobrovsky? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I appreciated his honesty because most players give you this standard. No, no, it doesn't matter yeah. who's in net. So I appreciated his honesty. But he was saying, oh, yes, I think we do. I think we're a little more protective with our backup in net, we right. you know, and we make Bobrovsky take the harder shots. And what ended up happening was when I looked at the data, it was exactly the reverse. Oh, wow. But that's important, too, because just like I was sharing right. how we as fans say, oh, my gosh, they didn't block a single shot. Well, actually, they did. Yeah, 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 you yeah. know, it's that can be an interesting lesson, too. And, and I've been around the team long enough that, particularly with some players, I can take that back to them after the fact. Right. And say, hey, just so you know. <laughs> but it, it can be fun. You can have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. That's. I thought the same thing with Carter Hart. When he broke into the league, I thought the players were kind of selling out for him. And, right. you know, he started really hot early. Yeah. So, And he's cooled off, but he's young. So, Yes. But I, I thought the same thing. I never looked at the data, but I always right. wanted to, right? right. Um, so, anyway, that's pretty cool. Well, there is that. Remember that picture that got tweeted of the <laughs> all five players, like, squeezed in around him right. protecting him <laughs> right so i want i like that sticks in my mind is like one of those things that probably altered all of our opinions of like how the flyers were playing in front of him right but that's there's no data yeah that, that's right, right. like we're, that's right but that's that's exactly the point of a lot of the talks here at this conference too is like you can use data right to shape it but if you lead with and you mentioned this too if you lead with a with a picture or with a video or something like that that shapes people's perceptions that's before right. you get to the whole data that actually tells the story that's right that's right. right and it's it's so key too because i mean half of my twitter mentions during a game are you know something happens immediately 10 people want to know that happens all the time how many times has this happened and it's fun to say well actually not that much at all yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, yeah. I hate kind of dumping on people but i do think that's important that that disconnect is important to understand yeah absolutely so obviously we're not totally through Hack right now but of what you've seen so far, what are what are some takeaways that you're gonna whether it be take back to writing or just understanding or take back to your to your community? Your- yeah, I think the, one of the best things about these events is just the networking and connecting with people, um, sharing conversations about projects I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you help me? We just did that over lunch actually today of sharing some code I'm going to use for something that I'm working on building out ideas and concepts together. Yeah, I totally shared some code at lunch, too. See, totally. I mean, it's what we do, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, what's what's always exciting about these conferences for me is that they're still grassroots and community-based enough that people aren't afraid to put out new ideas. And I was really invigorated yesterday by the special teams power hour. Mm. I thought there were tremendous concepts in there, and it's I think it's a part of the game. It's almost too easy for us to dismiss because we focus, I think Ryan said this, we focus so much on saying five on five is what matters because it's the biggest sample size. But there's so much powerful stuff about special teams. I yeah. really love that. And I loved, loved, loved how to how day two started um, looking at pulling the goalie, which is just a fun concept to explore. And I really liked, um, there were two presentations on handedness and defensemen and then face-offs. And yeah. again, that idea of quantifying things versus, versus what we think we see. So 
particularly those last two are ideas that I can't wait to get my hands on those mm-hmm. slides mm-hmm. and go back and talk to players and coaches about those ideas and yeah. see what yeah. comes out of that. It's amazing how like somebody says one thing you've probably heard a hundred times before, just worded a little differently. Totally. And you're like, Bingo. Right. And then you run with it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, that's my life. So uh, <laughs> you talked a little bit about our favorite coach, John Tortorella. Yes. And uh, our listeners know very well that he's a interesting person. Yep. So true. He, he may have made a couple cameos on the podcast before. Yep. Um, he, he doesn't know that. but <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't read anything. No. He, he, I don't well, read listen, what you people yeah. read. <laughs> but you talked about knowing your audience and how you communicate. And so can you kind of give our listeners a little bit insight on that and how, and maybe even how that relationship evolved over time and how you started communicating, yeah, quote unquote, analytics? Yeah. Well, one of the first stories I wrote, so I was covering the team before he came. And the great thing about John Tortorella, like him or not, is you're never going to get a standard answer. He's going to tell you what he, but as a writer, I mean, and honestly, as a fan, I do believe, do you want your coach to get up there and say, we got to play a full 60 minutes? We got to, you know, like, it's interesting. It's compelling. It's different. An 82 game season is a long season, people. So, but the first story I wrote when he was there was about the concept of a shot assist. So a pass that leads to a shot. And it was brand new in the analytics community. It wasn't even a thing that probably a majority of people in one room would have heard about. So the way I approached it was I went to I went to the players who I knew were doing the best in that statistic. And then I went to Torts and I said, so John, you know, is it meaningful to you? Are players valuable who can pass the puck to another player who t- takes that shot? And he was great. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the translation that I really try and do is not, have you heard of a shot assist? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. do you think of Corsi? Do you think of expected goals? It's, John, what makes the highest quality chance for you? Right. And when you talk to him that way, he'll talk hockey. He likes to talk hockey more than narratives. Right, I'm right. doing air quotes, narratives. Yeah. Um, he'll talk hockey all day long. And if you can, and this is the same thing as when I write for the majority of people is, Talk in normal speak. If you throw a bunch of terms out, it can be intimidating. And mm-hmm. just talk in normal speak. Explain what's happening and what makes it good and what makes it not good. Mm-hmm. So he appears so often on our podcast, in fact, that we've started a new segment. We were we were kind of kicking around some ideas. And one of the one of our listeners recommended that we call it retorts, which is like okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's so it's re colon torts. Love it. Like regarding torts. I'll be sure to let him know. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. Please do. Yeah. yeah, he has all these things where he goes viral because of something that he says. Right. He does. Like I'm, I don't know if it's if it's part of like a shtick or if he's just he just is off the cuff. Like you said, do you have any particulars that stick out in your mind as like a favorite moment with John Tortorella where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is what just happened with this guy. Well, I, you know, it's, I do have favorite moments to Mm -hmm. answer your question. To me, they're not so much, I can't believe what happened. I I will step on my soapbox for a minute and say this year in particular, and listen, the man comes by his reputation earnestly. Mm -hmm. You can see it on YouTube. It's not like I'm saying it's not true. (laughs) Right. Um, But I do think Open and honest, I think he's on a little bit of a redemption tour after his Vancouver tenure. Sure. I think he takes it very personally that he wants to make Columbus a winner. Okay. Um, and I think that part of the problem this year, I mean, if, if you've been doing this, you probably have cited, you know, his comments about Anthony Duclair, yeah. his comments about um, a game of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And as with any small market team, here's the thing. Up until the trade deadline, all anyone knew about Columbus was Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. Those two comments while they are in fact what he said, have been storylines in Columbus all season. Yeah. The Duclair comments, like if you, none of the Columbus writers had a cow about it. Someone said they were strongest he's been, but we've been writing this stuff all season. Mm -hmm. And 
again, I, I'm saying it's, it's not like an anti-Columbus thing, but when you aren't able to follow a team as in-depth as the local writers do, you hear one thing, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. But he's literally been saying those things all the time. All the yeah. time. And yeah. in the Duclair situation, the player was aware. I mean, they were having a dialogue. And that's, what, were the, what were the comments? I don't know the exact words, but the implication <laughs> was... The way it was interpreted was he was saying that Duclair didn't know how to play hockey. And the reality is that what Torts was saying is that Duclair doesn't know how to play away from the puck. And to be honest, and I really hope that kid succeeds. I hope he can put it together. But he doesn't know how to play away from the puck. Um, He was was a statistical liability. He was a score liability. Torts wasn't wrong. And he really was trying to help rehabilitate the player. And the player was on board. The interesting thing about him was, so Anthony Duclair's agent is Vinny LeCavier's brother. And this offseason, when he had all the offers he got, Vinny LeCavier <clears throat> called his brother and said, if you want to really rehabilitate your game, the coach you need to play for is John Tortorella. Yeah. He will make you the best player that you can be. So, I mean, this was all out in the open coming into yeah. this. But it's John Tortorella. Yeah. He says things bluntly. Yeah. It was said in Montreal, which is Anthony Duclair's hometown. So, it, you know, I think it, it's unfortunate, and I'm sure it happens to every team, like I said, where someone freaks out about something that's been a thing all season. But my favorite story, to answer your question, um, as I'm sure you may have seen, was when he answered my colleague Tom Reed's yeah. phone yeah. during oh, yeah. the press conference. Oh, yeah. We played that on the, on the podcast. <laughs> because, yeah. because here's the thing. To me, that that better shows who Torts is. Right. Because he's... He's going to sit there. He's going to be a hardcore guy about a press conference. But if someone's mom calls, like, I don't know if it's shown in all the clips, but the phone had ru- had vibrated. It was on vibrate. Mm-hmm. The phone had vibrated three times, and it said mom on it. And he was worried that something was wrong with his mom. Yeah. So he answered the phone. So that's my favorite because <laughs> oh, I think man. it did show a little bit more of who I, he really is. Yeah, I do love him. I mean, for a so fun, entertaining to me. And I sometimes I think the, the old school, like, don't give him anything don't give any quotes, like holds the sport back a bit. I agree. And, and whether it be the players or the coaches. And, Absolutely. And that created a lot more color and, and people laughing, whether they thinking about what Carolina's doing with the surge. And it's like. Love the surge. Who cares, right? That's like, right. Just let them go. But anyway, right. so I love torts. We need more torts. That's yeah. basically yeah. what I'm saying. Now, Have he you- can get out of line. And, yeah. and let's be clear. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting here saying he's perfect. Yeah. But yes. No, none I'm of sorry. us are. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> Have you ever been sort of the target of any aggression from him i will disclose because it's it's out there in sound uh, he said on film that i am the only writer he reads so oh he is, so he and i don't think that's You're true i think he, i think he reads a ton of stuff that he's, in fact i know he reads a ton of stuff but he has been very kind to me and i have appreciated his generosity in time and in content that he shared why sure. do you think like what does he respect so much about your because there's really good writers i'm not i'm not like are you not, really that good you? no i don't mean it like that i don't mean it like that at all I'm leaving. So, yeah there's really well-respected writers of course you know and aside from yourself like what do you think Absolutely. it is that connects with him? Well, I think that, you know, there are some, I mean, we were talking about before we started my colleague, Aaron Portsline, who is the gold standard, mm-hmm. um, particularly in Columbus. And I think Torts knows those guys and has a has a thing about poking those oh, bears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do also think, I don't know this for sure, <laughs> but I do think that there's two things that he and I have connected over. The first is because of what I write about, my questions are not often about what's the energy like in the team? Like these, <laughs> these almost unanswerable questions, yeah. like what's the feeling in the room? What's the motivation? Are you, do you have a block against Pittsburgh? Cause you haven't beaten them for eight times in a row. My questions are about the game. 
And my mm. question is about playing the game. And I think he's passionate about that. So I think he likes that. Uh, he is very big on leadership, not in a sense of like reading a lot of books and things, but he's he's got some really interesting thoughts about leading and being a good leader and what goes into that. Um, and my uh, degree actually is in leadership studies. And we've connected over that as well. So who knows? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's cool. I'm yeah. thankful for yeah, it. That's awesome. You kind of talked about Columbus not being the most high profile yeah. uh, team. Yeah. And on top of that, you do a lot of research as far as the stats. Uh, maybe share some of the underrated players in Columbus, mm. right? That the underlying stats kind of don't, that, yeah. that people don't know about not just because they're in Columbus, but because of the stats are kind of a little different, like the advanced Interesting. Stats. I think that what is underrated a lot in Columbus, even with some names getting attention, is the defensive core. So Zach Wierenski got a lot of press, not so much this year. He's, he's struggled a little bit this year, but I hate keep going back to torts, but he brought in this concept of the rover. He doesn't think of uh, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones as defensemen. Mm -hmm. He calls them rovers. Mm -hmm. And you can actually study... I, when he introduced this, I wrote and like studied which players compare. And it's the very elite. It's the Carlsons. It's you know that group of really activating the offense from the back end. Right. And so that's how he's building the entire defensive core. And I think there's a ton of talent back there. Um, Marcus Nudevares in his third year, tremendously active, offensive, creative, uh, risk-taking defenseman. Um, and we can start to see these things in some of the passing metrics that we're able to track. Mm. Um, Corey Schneider shut down line on Twitter. Tremendous work. Um, you can start to see their value there. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, also tremendous. Ryan Murray. You nailed it. He's yeah. an Everett Silvertip. So anyway, no, I listen to that. Yes. <laughs> Ryan, listen, the, the shame of Ryan Murray is that unfortunately he just he manages to get injured every year. Mm, yeah. But he is such a talent. Yeah, yeah. I can watch that guy skate all day long. He's a beautiful skater. Um, so smart. And he doesn't shoot a lot. So, And I think that's the thing, too. Um, I wrote on Ryan Murray earlier this year. He doesn't get noticed because he doesn't, he doesn't play on special teams much at all, maybe some PK, and he doesn't score. Mm -hmm. But he is without him, and we've seen this because he's been injured just now, without him, it is harder for this team to get the puck mm -hmm. going north. Yeah, It's just the facts. And so he's really underrated. On the on the other side of the ice, the stats are obvious, but Cam Atkinson, I think, just mm. doesn't get enough attention. Yeah. I mean, he's in he is he has thirty eight goals. That's as probably of last the Columbus night. factor, don't you think, in a way like that? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. it is. But so. I mean, this guy's a two time All Star. Yeah. Thirty eight goals. Thirty eight goals. Yeah. And and a tremendous all around player, and for a hockey player, small. Yeah. Yeah. I like Oliver Bjorkstrand. Really talented. A player I hope can get back to his game who has struggled this year is Alexander Wenberg. Mm -hmm. That is the player I was talking about with the I shot like assist. I like him too. He seems to just zip around out there. Like yeah. He's got he's good, good hands, really good speed. Yeah, I like him a lot from, from an outside perspective. He's like the prototypical playmaker. Yeah. Like, but he's he had some pretty significant injuries last year, okay. and he just hasn't seemed to find his game. You used to be able, he doesn't score a lot, um, but you used to, re he was a player that was fun because sure he's not, like Ryan Murray, he's not on the score sheet, but you can defend him because you can see all the building blocks of his yeah. play and he leads in all of them. Mm -hmm. his, his game has slipped this year. He knows it. Yeah. Um, but that's another one that I hope he can recover because he's just, he's fun. So uh, Columbus was recently in the news. A little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, we have to ask about of it. Of course. So what do you think about the trades and did you have any idea? Did you see that coming at all? I did not. So my theory, and I'm I am conservative in nature when it comes to things like this. Mm -hmm. So when they, my concern had always been, I was sure that Panarin was going to move at the deadline. I was sure of it, just because I thought they had to, right? 
Me too. They, I, I yeah. was on this podcast saying over and over they have to trade both him and Bobrovsky. I thought they had the, to find a way to move them. And the problem is, I think if Florida had been a contender this year, I think they would have both been gone to Florida. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it the whole for a million reasons that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when they, my biggest concern was that whole time they've got to make because they're still going to push. They're not going to just wave the white flag. They have to make a forward move before they make the Panarin trade. Because if they trade Panarin and then go get a forward, whoever they want is going to hold them over a barrel because they're mm. going to know Columbus has right. to pay. Uh, right, right, right. So they got Duchesne. I was like, perfect. I'm, I'm good. All right. We're good. Everything's yeah. fine. They might go get another defenseman to just bolster that for a run. I'm fine. Then they got Zingle. And I'm like, okay, so two forwards equals one Panarin. I can get behind it. He's still moving. And I'll tell you, when that clock hit three o'clock, <laughs> I was just dumbfounded. And I, I will admit, my first reaction was, holy crap. Yeah. Um, because I am a grow from within, draft and develop, draft and develop person. Can you please watch your language? On our <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. We have enough of that with Torts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? If he curses in front of me, he apologizes. I'm like, listen, my mouth is just as bad as yours. <laughs> but uh, now that I think about it, and and what I appreciate is I'm seeing people say this as well. Of course, I want them to get into the postseason. Covering that is fun. That's beneficial yeah. to me. Yeah. But I like it for the league. Like, go be brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go do something crazy. Why the heck not? Like, we tell our kids this, right? Shoot for the stars. Yeah. Do something nuts. Go after yeah. your dreams. Not it's crazy. Approach of, yeah, I never thought yeah. ever in a million years they'd do it. I'll be honest and say, I think that if they had their druthers, they would have wanted to wait maybe another year just for the rest of the team to be really, really sound. Yeah. But hey. What happens if they don't? I mean, what happens next year, period? Yes. Right? Like, yes. Is, how's, how's it look? <laughs> well, I was looking over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and so this is this is my concern about it is that I think this is important because again, Columbus isn't a market that gets a ton of attention, yeah. and I think from a marketing of this team to its fans, to the hockey community as a whole, and let's be very real, they don't have draft picks right now. So mm-hmm. how are they going to build up? They're going to build up through free agency, mm-hmm. and this is a marketing effort to free agents. Why do you want to come to Columbus? So this team has to do well to get players to want to come. Right. So next year, I think that if they can win some games, that will only increase the chance Matt Duchesne stays. I think if Matt Duchesne signs, no matter what happens in the postseason, everyone's going to be fine. Fine. Yeah. If they don't get in and if all four walk, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think that the team will be okay. All those players I just mentioned who are underrated will be with the yeah. team, but they will be losing their most. Artemi Panarin is the most talented player to ever play for Columbus, yeah. mm-hmm. period, end of story. So they're going to have to rebuild their offense a little bit. It's going to be a little rough, I think, and I think it's just going to be more emotional because I think the yeah. fans, as a lot of fan bases have the, it always happens to us, but Columbus's specific brand is, is very I, unique. I'm always rooting for kind of the underdogs in this league. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been a Predators fan for a, a while, and Columbus I've always rooted for as well. And I don't think people understand how great that hockey market is yes. right? as far as fans they were so loyal for so long so long where you know, the team they, didn't deserve it <laughs> no no you're right and and i it's not you can't complain about the fans stop showing up right because it's like if it's a bad product on the ice absolutely or a restaurant you're not going to keep going to that restaurant if you right. get right. crappy service right, right. eventually they're going to turn it around but the only right. way they're going to know is good intentions it's a good franchise and, yes. I, and i believe in that town and so 
I'm I'm really rooting for them only for the fans, right? Well, like, and it, like it's crazy. Like you think about it, and we're sitting here in Seattle that's going to have an NHL franchise, and but right now, I mean, Las Vegas is in their second season, and there's only one team in the NHL that has yet to win a playoff round, <laughs> and it's Columbus. Yeah, I know, yeah. Like yeah. that's the unique formula of the Columbus Dread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't too long ago where they won their first playoff game, right? Is it? Uh, it was in 2014. Okay, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's. But a yes, long time. fourteen years, right? Yes, pretty good math there, huh? Yeah, you're sharp. Yeah, it's a math that's rubbing off <laughs> Thir- on you. But thirteen yeah. seasons. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Right. We've got all, all right. kinds of caveats. What else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, you mentioned Artemi Panarin being the most talented player. I really hope Rick Nash isn't listening. To this. I. Would stand by it. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. that went <laughs> down. I love it. No disrespect to Rick Dash, but I mean, we didn't understand how good he was till he was playing in front of us 82 times a year. Yeah. One of the most special players. I would put me personally, and not everyone agrees, I'd put him top five, definitely top 10 in the league. No question. Fascinating. Um, okay, we're going to, to close the interview, we're going to play a little game with you. And oh, boy. We should have probably told you this. Yeah, I, that would have helped. We always do this with our guests. We always play this game with our guests, but we always forget to give them the heads up before we it actually just, play it. It just adds to the lore. It's yeah, fine. I guess. Anyway, <laughs> the game is called, it's just buy, sell, or hold. So we give okay. you a topic and you say whether you want to buy it, sell it, or hold it. If you want to explain why, that's great. If not, that's okay, too. So, like, if I buy in, is that the idea? Yeah. yeah like, if, you agree. It, think of them as stocks. Okay. Right? Would you buy? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Buy, so, sell, hold, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, the first one is the Columbus Blue Jackets will win a playoff series this year. Buy. Oh, wow. I like it. You believe in those in those moves. It, it has to happen sometime, right? Yeah. Why not now? <laughs> yeah, there you go. go. I love it. Okay. Uh, John Tortorella will coach in Columbus for at least three more years. Ooh. It's okay. You hold. Can, hold. All right. That's, that's, that's safe, a safe, safe, very safe yeah. answer. This is why we have the hold option. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I couldn't identify with it till just that moment. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Because that's a long period for it every is. coach in the league. And like, he's that's the a long, long he has the longest tenure of any Columbus Blue Jacket coach now. Yeah. Most wins also, but. All right. The Blue Jackets will re-sign Matt Duchesne. Mm, hold. Okay. All right. Do you, do you actually think there's, I mean, obviously if you're holding, you think there's a real chance he'll come back. I think there's a chance, but like I said, I mean, this is a guy who, open and honest, is chasing postseason play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if this team can't put it together, not only will he maybe just from an academic perspective look elsewhere because he knows what's leaving, mm-hmm. um, but it might, I mean, for this to happen twice to a guy, he may just be like, I need a, I need a fresh start. Like, right. I can't keep. And he gets to obviously pick where he goes. Absolutely. Now, so. And then the players who do this, all four of them have earned the right. And while it could yeah. sting, it's their right. Yep. So then uh, buy, sell, or hold, uh, do any of the quote-unquote rentals sign. So I would I buy. Guess, yeah. I would buy. So I think some will. Any thoughts on which ones? I think your your best shot, if there is mutual interest, is Zingle. Second would be Duchesne. Distant third is Artemi Panarin, and Bob is not going to. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, oh, and one more bonus, buy, sell, or hold. Buy, sell, or hold the Columbus Cannon. Buy? Uh, I'm, I'm dying to experience that cannon. Because <laughs> I, I hear every all the visiting press talk about it on Here's Twitter, what's hilarious. Right? Yeah. I don't even hear it now. Oh, well. Like, I'm so used to it. I, and fun fact, if you didn't know, the cannon doesn't actually fire. It's a concussion that comes from the ceiling, so it's literally right above the media's head. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah. There was an image, oh, I don't know. If from last night? podcast. Yeah, yeah. The, of the Columbus crew just like, or not the Columbus it's crew. Their, but, it's their yeah. can, they're called the cannon crew. Mm-hmm. Can, okay, it is. Yes. Cannon crew. Just fell over like so it's their thing so people were pointing (laughs) this out to me so yeah Yeah. so this is the thing is that you know they're the they're the male i'm probably gonna get myself in trouble but they're cheerleaders they're the the men's part of the cheerleading Uh core the pep squad spirit squad whatever i'm 
I think oh, you're I'm safe. Get PC in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. um, but uh, that's okay. Encourage and and I, I feel bad because I they're great. They're important yeah. to the yeah. experience. But they man the cannon during the game, and so every time the cannon fires, they have like a skit. It's kind of like the uh, storm surge. Oh, yeah, so yeah, they have yeah. a thing, and they do it. And it, now, like people always watch for it, and they always show it. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. Well, I'm a little offended. Are you saying that somebody can't woman the cannon? Oh my goodness! See, this is the <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've done it. Too, do you know? Did you cover? Uh, Ohio State football as well? I cover Ohio State hockey, men's and women's. Okay. Yes. What are your thoughts on their helmets being replicas of the football team's helmets? So I hate it, but <laughs> the players love it, and okay. it's a thing in Big Ten hockey. Penn State does it. Michigan yeah. does it. Yeah. So I'm not rooting for them. And Notre Dame. And they're in Big Ten hockey. They are. Yeah. It's true. A beautiful facility, uh, Notre Dame. But if they like it, it's fine. I think that it's fine from a school perspective. The problem is that college football is so skewed. That's part of why I don't like it. Like, can't we just get away from foot? Like, not yeah. everything's the football, right? It, probably everything in that town is about football. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, this has been awesome, Allison. Thank you so much for taking time out of Seahack to do this. And thank you for attending Seahack, too. It's yeah, great it was to awesome. Have you. Thanks, well, for, thanks for coming. Thanks for everything. Thanks so much. This was yeah. a blast. I All appreciate right. it. All right. So what a fun interview that was. We unfortunately had to leave Andy out of that one. Yeah. But she had some fun stuff to say. And you know what? Torts may learn about the retort segment. Well, so. he's going to hear it eventually. Yeah. I mean, he's listening to the Sound of Hockey podcast. I mean, who is it? We've been talking him up for months now. So he's got to be listening to it, right? Yeah. He feels yeah. like a big podcast guy. Oh, yeah. Totally. Loves the analytic, as Allison calls it. So. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, hey, let's move into our segments. Our first segment is You Don't See That Every Day. Our first You Don't See That Every Day, we had a goal that was actually, it was like a billiard shot. Like, who, who was even the player? It was somebody from the, in the Jets lightning game, fired off the boards, and it hit the stanchion. Andre Vasilevsky went out to play the puck behind the net, and as he did that, it hit that stanchion and just curled right into the net, and it was over 150 feet, I think. The it's a goal scorer's goal right Yeah, there. exactly. You don't see that every day. You don't. Yeah. Uh, we also had, Andy, this one was yours, but this is another yeah. one of these junior hockey games. This is how we end up with Kokomo at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the show. Uh, yeah, this is coming from the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which totally. is uh, a lower tier than the Western <laughs> Hockey League. And it was a game between, I believe, the Calgary Buffaloes and the Oka 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 Oilers. Oka Oka not going to play here anymore. Yeah, way down so, in Kokomo. <laughs> good thing the Beach Boys didn't sing a song called Oka They're down a, a pair of goals. They pull their goaltender, and Calgary scores on them. So now they're down three goals. And usually that you think that wraps the game up. It's over. But they they kept their goalie out, and they scored three more times in the last couple of minutes to tie the game and send it into overtime. Pretty remarkable. Usually when you give up that empty netter, that's that's usually all she wrote. Um, but they hung in there and then scored three extra skater goals. You don't see that every day. No, you don't. You don't. We'll now move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. <laughs> 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 the Montreal Canadiens still have not beaten the San Jose Sharks in San Jose since 1999. John, any thoughts on this as a San Jose Sharks fan? Mm, not really. Okay, uh, riveting. That's riveting. No, the one thing riveting podcast. Wow. The one Great thing is, is uh, the scheduling changed a bit, so there was times where they'd only play every other year. So it's not like but for uh, a while now. It's been once a year at least. Yeah, for a while. 
They also don't seem to care about it very much because they started Auntie Niemi. Yeah, I remember uh, I was listening to XM Radio, the NHL Network on XM Radio, and they were saying, yeah, Niemi's going to have a rough night. (laughs) Like, they literally said that when they found out he was starting. How did you know, John? Niemi, I believe, is an ex-shark, didn't he? Yeah, of course. So. Were you aware he was still in the NHL? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's like played on like seventeen different teams. In yeah, the he's last one of those guys years. who you're like, oh yeah, I remember him when. He I was think, still in the league. Yeah, yeah, he was in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I think he's played Florida. He played Chicago. Well, definitely Chicago. But he's I was thinking Chicago. He's probably played with five teams in the last four years, which is the sign of an outstanding goalie. So yes, yeah, <laughs> so very, good. That, so good. Very that resourceful. So good that yeah. somebody always yeah. wants him. Yeah. Uh, our next weekly one timer. John Hamm, the acting legend, as you've seen him on such shows as Mad Men and other places. Movies. Uh, yeah, and other places. Uh, remember how we had Snoop Dogg, Snoop Loop, Snoop Snoopy, uh, doing like the play-by-play sort of from the L.A. Kings game. So obviously in L.A. they have a lot of celebrities that kind of pop in, and the team's terrible. Yeah, but they were playing against the Blues. So John Ham, Blues broadcast, yeah, right? I I, well, yeah, but same kind of thing. Still in LA, Blues broadcast was taking advantage of being in LA. John right. Ham popped in because mm-hmm. he's a big Blues fan, and it so happened that they scored while he was talking. I do love it. I love skating. I love this play right now, and I love that goal. My barbershop. How about it? Fourth line contributing so hard. God, he's a spark plug. What a call that is. Holy jumping. Barbie reminds me, remember Ian LaPerriere? Yes. LaPerriere used to come over the boards and he would just go nuts. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. And he loves it too. Look at that nice little backhand pass. And and now Sammy Blade. Isn't that nice? Sammy Blade. Who is this guy? So there you have it. Now, not terrible analysis from John Hamm. No, in you my can opinion. tell he really follows the team. He, yeah. he knows the players. He knew like fourth liners. And then yeah. that, that easily is the most handsome play-by-play call in the NHL. Oh, <laughs> hello. Nice. John, rebuttal? <laughs> Come on, I, argue I got, with me, John. I, yeah, yeah, I've got nothing for that. Fine. He's Jack Edwards more handsome. Is that what you're going to tell me? I'm not going to tell you that. We're stripping the blubber off this, this <laughs> yeah, <episode>. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. We're going to go into, like, injury mode of weekly one-timers here for the next <laughs> Sub- <laughs> the next several. Sub-segments. Yeah. So our first injury-related weekly one-timer is that Gabe Landeskog is out with an upper body injury. Four to six weeks, he got injured by Ben Bishop, which will teach him not to run into the goalie behind the net, <laughs> where he is not fair game, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, it, it really was like that. Like, Ben Bishop went behind the net. He clearly was about to run into him, and he, I mean, Bishop, like, kind of threw a shoulder into him, and Landis got the worst of it and skated away. Uh, it looked to me like a shoulder injury, maybe a wrist injury, something like that. But uh, it's a tough break for a team that is really fighting for their playoff lives that had this horrible, horrible stretch. And we talked so much about them at the beginning of the year and how great their top line was. Well, He's a big part of that. Yeah, he's a third of that great top line. So now, I mean, an already top-heavy team has lost a third of its top-heavy first line. And they're... they're- they're, you mentioned they're still. I mean, they're they're two points behind a team in Minnesota for the last playoff spot as we record this. So that this this could uh, hurt their chances to get into the playoffs a little bit. It will hurt their chances. Our next weekly one timer. We're sticking with that injury weekly one timer theme. John, what's going on? Eric Carlson reaggravated his groin. Yeah, I think that's been uh, <laughs> somewhat old news. Yeah, I but, think. but okay, but but he's been out for a while now, right? And the fact the fact that there's like no real update here, 
And again, it's reported. It just got reported again that he had like. There's just no, no time. I saw the play where he came back and he yeah. got hurt again. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not good. But groin injuries, you you can't really play through it, and you you just need time off ice. But I believe I believe that that must have been the same injury uh, right around the All Star break that he went through. Yeah. Yep. Came back. I think he played maybe one two games and saw the injury again where he just looked like he was awkwardly moving around like because he he tore it and got walked somebody walked him and Mm. scored a goal but it's uh not good not cool uh it's been a weird year for him hasn't it well he he had a really hot stretch for a while before he got hurt right before the all-star game i i think it's at this time it's just get him ready for the playoffs yeah, as much as you can. Even if, the yeah, even if it means he's not his first games, not till the playoffs. I think that's what you do. Well, and they they over the weekend took over first spot in the Western Conference. But as we were recording this tonight, Calgary jumped back ahead of them after beating Vegas. So uh, they they are neck and neck for the conference title. Mm-hmm. And that but winning the, the conference and the Pacific Division, not only are they going to get home ice, but they avoid Vegas in the first round. So San Jose still you don't want to just totally glide into the playoffs and not win the Pacific Division because then you have a tougher first round matchup. But that team still has a lot of talent on it they probably can still stay in that race with calgary even without carlson i, I would think maybe they, they they're playing fine without yeah. him i mean it'd be great so to no have reason him. to rush him back our last injury related weekly one-timer Whoops. oh <laughs> oh no oh no this, our, is, this is the episode this is the hall of fame episode yes. right here vladimir tarasenko that's a Heard big one yeah, he's been out. Well, I mean, they don't even really know. They said he's going to be reevaluated in 10 days, which to me says they don't have any kind of a timetable to get him back. Now, this is a team, remember, we were saying that they were the absolute hottest team in hockey for a little bit, and that was true. They've fallen off a little bit, but they're still, you know, they're still like playing well. It's like up and down, but it's not like it was before. And now all of a sudden, these two wildcard teams from the stacked Central Division are. <laughs> are back in striking distance. So, I mean, these guys need to play. Craig Berube is the interim head coach. Like, he needs to get this team into the playoffs so that he can remove that interim tag, which two weeks ago seemed like an absolute foregone conclusion that he would be there. But now all of a sudden they've lost their superstar for how many weeks? You know, we don't even know. So that could could have an impact on this team. I would think it should, right? You know, like you said, uh, Dallas and Minnesota are hot in their heels right now. I didn't say what the teams were. I just said that there are teams on their heels. I think – I think they'll be fine. Okay, fine. He, he just uh, manipulated it, so we brought it up. Yeah. No, but they're six <laughs> points up oh, on the sorry, last right. spot. I was looking at the wrong yeah. one. All right, this last one's not injury-related, but we have one more weekly one-timer. Without the... <laughs> Ow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Brad Marchand, the troll, the, the rat, he replied to an NHL PR tweet regarding Mitch Marner. Uh, who had surpassed 80 points, and he was the first Leaf, Maple Leaf, since Phil Castle to do it. And Marshawn said, I can't wait to see this kid's new deal. 12 million AAV, question mark, question mark. It better be, hashtag Marner watch. <laughs> Pretty great stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, stick it to your rival. And, totally. And, and put the pressure on them to after they just opened the, the bank for Austin Matthews. Yeah. So, Leafs GM Kyle Dubas, then the media were asking him about it. You know, what do you guys think about about him saying this thing through Twitter. And it wasn't his verified accounts. It was definitely Marshan, who's uh, yep. a total dink anyway. But Dubas, <laughs> Dubas called it a, an expert troll job, which it is, right? Like yep. he's essentially using this tweet to make people think like, oh, well, Marner's worth $12 million. Other, like, players, pay other yeah. players think so. Other players totally. in the union think yeah. so. You could totally see it. Somebody making the case like, oh, you know, he's worth $12 million because Marshawn said so. John's no? a little uh, skeptical. Yeah, John's it. skeptical. 
All right. That wraps up this week's <laughs> weekly one-timers. We're going to close the show out, as we occasionally do, with games on the radar. Occasionally. I think we do it every <laughs> Andy, what's your game on the radar? Uh, I have on Thursday, March 14th, uh, Less Canadians versus Less Islanders. Oh, that's, that's French. Lay, I'm sorry, that's Lay Canadians, sorry. Yeah. Versus Lay Islanders. Uh-huh. Uh, two Metro Division teams who are kind of you know, right in the mix of things and the Islanders have fallen off a bit and Montreal's kind of hanging around a playoff spot so that's a big game for both of them. John? Yeah, I like uh, Friday Hurricanes versus the Columbus Blue Jackets and this is a Torch-themed podcast. So there you go. Let's get them a win. Yes. Let's get them a win. Yeah, for Torts. <laughs> and, my, <laughs> and my game on the radar is uh, the same night as Andy's, March 14th. I have Boston versus Winnipeg. So Boston finally lost tonight to Pittsburgh. And I don't think they had actually lost in regulation in like a century. Since so, the All-Star game. Yeah, something like that. So Century, same thing. same thing. Sure, same thing. Yep. And by the way, remember last week we talked about games on the radar. Uh, mine was the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament. So the all-hockey hair team, it is officially out. So go check that out on on YouTube. It's funny every single year. And these kids, like they all know it's coming now. So they all actively shape their hair to try to make it onto the all hockey hair team. So you get some, some pretty good looks there. And by the way, did you see the kid that wiped out during the? Yes. Yeah. yeah I thought that was pretty good. Uh, that was pretty funny. I was a kid from St. Cloud Cathedral was the name of the school. And he would like, I honestly think he did it on purpose, but he, they, they do their introductions where they started the goal line and the kids skate out to the blue line and the cameraman is going across the blue line you know, zoom it in on their face and each kid is like, hi, mom, hi, dad, how you doing? And that's, it's true. That's what they do. And this one kid, how you, you doing? See, how you doing? What's up? You see this one kid come off the goal line and he's like booking it, like racing real hard. And he gets to the blue line. You kind of see him like, whoa, he wipes out and the camera gets all shaky. So, yeah. So check that out. Pretty, pretty funny good. stuff. But it, made, it made the cut. It made the cut. It was very, very funny. In, in I, honor of the all-hockey hair team, John and I have uh, styled our hair to be just as good. <laughs> I wish people could see the look there. Oh, on the tough table. crowd. Yeah, tough crowd, yeah. tough crowd. All right, that wraps up episode 27 of Sound of Hockey. Thank you so much to our reviewers. Thank you to Allison Lucan. And by the way, for those that attended Hack, thank you so, so much. That was a really, really yeah, funny thank event. you, thank you, thank you. That was Unreal for me to experience. Yes. yes. And if you do know which of the three of us is uh, a little under the influence of alcohol this evening, please do let us know in your five-star review. We will talk to you all next week for episode 28. Thanks so much.